Welcome to the Gathering at Adel. Today's message is from the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11, and he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. We've been reading through the the Gospel of Matthew. This is now part 17 because we're just kind of like going uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. So this past week we were reading through Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew 11. This is probably one of my favorite parts of uh, the Gospel of Matthew is Matthew chapter 11, the the end of it as we talked about. And so I think for me, you know, just kind of growing up in Strawn, uh, Strawn's a little community, uh, like 45 minutes away from there. We actually live there again. Uh, now that we have kiddos, we moved back to Strawn. And, you know, growing up in Strawn, there, there's like a couple of churches there, but went to First Baptist Church, Strawn, and it was, it was good for what it was. And, but I just, I felt like my time there, and it, it's, it's probably just as much me as it was anybody else, just because I was young, dumb, and immature, and so I'm just a little bit older, a little less dumb, and a little more mature now. But then, if you could imagine me as a little, little kid, but I, I felt what happened to me in my experience there is that instead of encountering Jesus, I encountered religion. That I, I, I felt like we, we had to act a certain way in order to be welcomed into the church, that we had to, to dress a certain way, we had to talk a certain way, otherwise we wouldn't fit in or we wouldn't be welcomed. I can remember, I, I think we moved to Strawn when I was 10 years old, and uh, maybe, about, maybe about the age of 12, I, I saved up my, my money. Uh, my dad was gracious enough to employ me. I don't know why. He employed me and some of my friends to work at his business. Uh, I would say work is used very loosely there. We were there. Monday through Friday in the summers. And so uh, because of that, that sense of religion, I mean, I can remember I worked one summer, saved up my money, and I bought, I bought my own suit. I was 12 years old, bought my own suit so that I could go to church. And because that's just what I felt like you were supposed to do. You had to act a certain way, talk a certain way, dress a certain way in order to be welcomed inside the doors of that, you know, and you really lose a lot of the relationship aspect that Jesus had when he walked with his disciples. And it almost becomes, it can almost become, you, you guys, I'm a Seinfeld guy, I love Seinfeld, it, but it can almost become like church is at the soup Nazi. You remember that? Like you got you to have everything, in, your order ready to go before you get there because you're not going to hold him up because he's busy and he's not going to mess around, you know. And you just walk up there and you just say what you got to say. Say this, th- this kind of bread, right? You pay, take it, and you leave. And you don't, you don't slow the line down. You just hurry up and get out of there. But that, to me, that's what church became is that. We had to be stoic and quiet, and we had to just walk in, don't say anything, don't disrupt. We had to act a certain way. I mean, man, they would not, they would not have enjoyed the way we have kids running around over here and bouncing around, coloring pictures while we're preaching. That It would not have been enjoyable. But I felt like we came, I came into, I experienced religion instead of encountering Jesus. But then what was interesting is when that one hour a week was over, then you could act however you wanted, talk however you wanted, dress however you wanted. It didn't matter. But that one hour, man, you better, you better act right, stand up straight, sit up straight, pay attention, pull out the Bible. But man, five hours later, you can be screaming at the television for Sunday night football at the bar drinking beer. But Sunday morning, we're right there. 
That was my experience was just this religion. And that, that religion, like I said, it, it was probably me. I'm not, I'm not putting it on anybody else, but, but I felt that. And that, that carried with me into to young adulthood. And, and honestly, I, there's lots of reasons why people believe that, that young people are leaving the church as quick as they are. But, but honestly, it's because parents are bringing their kids to church, not to Jesus. They're, they're encountering a church building, but they're not encountering the Savior of the world. And that's where I felt like I came. I prayed the prayer that I was supposed to pray. I got baptized because that's what you're supposed to do. But yet I was still dead inside. And so for me, that's what I felt like religion. And here's like a definition of religion. And this is where we're going in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. But religion is where there is a weight or a burden placed on people that the leaders cannot or do not carry. Religion is when a burden or a weight have been placed on the people that the leaders cannot or do not carry. And I felt like that was most of my walk until I encountered Jesus was, there was this weight to act a certain way, talk a certain way, dress a certain way, but, but yet no one else was able to do it either. But they, they expected everybody else to do it. And when you saw them for that one hour on Sunday morning, they did it. But the wait was for more than just the one hour because if you try to act right, say right, dress right for more than one hour a week, it, it was a burden. And they couldn't do it either. I, it caused me to view God as some random God that we did things for to please him or so we didn't feel guilty. But that didn't work either. There, there was no relationship there. To, to illustrate the point, I'm going to go to Greek mythology. I, I don't typically, typically go to Greek mythology, but there's a good story out of that. There's, there's a story of this guy that had cheated death twice. His name is Sisyphus. He cheated death twice, and so Zeus punished him. Zeus made him push a boulder up a hill every day. And the boulder was so heavy and the hill was so high that it took him all day to get the boulder up there. And he'd finally get it up there every night. And then every morning he would wake up and it would be right beside him at the bottom of the hill. And that's religion. That, that we, we work and we work and we work and we strive and we push this boulder of religion all the way up the hill and we finally make it. And all of a sudden, religion says, oh, wait, wait, wait. That was just the first one. Here's another hill. Oh, okay, you, you, you stopped that, all right? You look this certain way. Oh, you got, a, you got nicer clothes on. You're wearing khakis instead of jeans. Perfect. But look at that guy. Look at He's wearing a suit. And you're like, oh, dang. He is, and he looks good in that suit. Bet Jesus loves him more in a suit. So I'm going to push this boulder up this hill right now. Religion keeps us pushing that boulder over and over and over, but we never accomplish anything. That's how I was for the first 15 years of my Christian walk. Nothing was ever enough. It didn't matter how hard I tried, how hard I wanted it. It never worked because it seems like religion kept changing the rules of the game. In the middle of the game, I, I, 
you really don't want to play games with me. I love, I love playing games. We'll have a volleyball night again in October. And, you know, if you beat me once, it's going to be best two out of three. You beat me twice, it's three out of five, five out of seven, seven out of nine. Like, I, I, man, I mean, I change rules. Oh, uh, the ball can hit the net and go over. But if I serve it, it doesn't. You know, like, I can change the rules in the middle of the game. Hannah was on my team. She knows we win. And we just do what we got to do. But, uh, you know, play Monopoly with me. There's all sorts of unwritten rules. We call them house rules, you know, and you got to keep those to the side. And, but that's religion. As soon as you feel like you've got it figured out, done. Oh, wait, what about this? And the greatest freedom that I ever experienced is when I got off the religion treadmill and received the embrace of the Father. Is that not so true? Religion is like a treadmill. You go, go, go but you end up right where you started. Religion places a burden on the people that leaders cannot or do not carry. So I, Jesus is writing to his, or he's speaking to his listeners here. And he's talking about the, the law and the weight and the burden of the law. But, but how about, what are things that religion places on us today? Like we're not under the law anymore. When Jesus talks about the law, we're, we're not under that. But religion still applies to us. Religion says that we have to dress a certain way that, you know, what, what's that term? Sunday's best. You know, when someone comes in, it's like, oh man, it's not Sunday's best, is it? You put your clothes aside, man, there's my Sunday's best. It's that lie that we have to dress a certain way in order to be accepted into the church or that church attendance is mandatory. Right, y'all ever feel that way growing up? Like, man, you better be there. And if not, man, pastor's calling you to check on you, make sure you're okay. But really, he's just making sure that you're gonna be there next week. It says, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. So we, we believe 100% that we should gather together. But to, to put this false sense of the idea that church attendance is mandatory, not true. I know last week, if you were here, Maybe some of them aren't because I said, you know, I said, hey, church attendance, we're not, we're not concerned about that. My, my goal is for you guys not to come here every week for the rest of your life. My goal is for you to come here, figure out who the Lord's called you to be, and then go and do it. And come back in and check on us, check in with us every once in a while. I, I don't want to see you here for the rest of your life, Tony. You, God's called you to better things on Sunday mornings. He's called you to different people, different situations, and he's going to take you there. I love seeing you, but the goal is not to see you every week. Church attendance is mandatory. That's what religion says. Or, or how about this, tattoos? You know, y'all ever hear that one? Like, oh, man, you can't have tattoos. They, they, they pick one part of the law, and then they want to follow that. But yet, here we are still eating bacon, giving glory to the Lord, right? I mean, if you know tattoos, it's no bacon. I'll, I'll do tattoos and bacon. How about that? I mean, isn't it funny how religion... We'll take one thing and place it like, man, if you have a tattoo, you're not welcome here. And you think, oh, Jeff, don't be ridiculous. Talk to somebody that has more than four tattoos that you can see and tell, ask them what looks they get when they walk into some churches. Religion will say, hey, don't confess sin. Don't hide it. Don't like, oh, man, we don't talk about that here. Like, you know, we all struggle, but we keep that to ourselves because religion wants you to keep it here and bottled up. Religion says, don't confess that. Don't talk about that. Man, what are people going to think about you? Or you got to be stoic and quiet in church. Like, we just got to sit there and soup nuts. Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. I'll take this. Like, I think so many people that have been burdened by religion, they're going to get to heaven and they're going to go, why was church not like this? 
Why, why was there not singing and dancing and clapping and instruments? Like, what? Like, if you would have told me that this is what it was, then why do we not see it here? But religion will say, no, we got to be reserved. We got to be holy as we come into the presence of God. And they'll say it in those tones. That it's works-based salvation. That religion will say, I know it says that you're saved through grace, you know, by faith, not by works so that no man can boast. But, but if you're a Christian, you're, then you're going to do this, this, and this. And we really need you, brother, to serve in this area. And hey, sister, can you really serve in the nursery? We really got to have you. And I mean, that's what good Christians do. That enough is never enough. Religion will tell you that enough is never enough. No matter how far you've come, you've still got too far to go. That we avoid certain topics in church. Man, I mean, people's religion does not want you to talk about money in church. Man, because why? Because that might make people uncomfortable. And if they're uncomfortable, then they're not going to come back to church. And that we need you here at church to, to pay our bills. But the truth is that, that church is the perfect place to talk about money. Because we believe that once the Lord gets a hold of your heart, you'll begin to view money in a completely different mindset. One, one of the instances, even now, religion will even talk to you about how we tithe 10%. And we say, and we say this like with pride. Well, God can do more with my 90 than, he can, than I can do with my 100. How many people have heard that or said that? Yep, there we go. The truth of the matter is that it's not your 90 either. It's all his. But religion will say, give your 10% and then you can do what you want with that 90 because you've appeased God. But relationship says, Father, it's all yours. If you want me to give it away, I'll give it away. If you want me to give, buy somebody's meal, I'll buy somebody's meal. If you've blessed me with this truck and you want me to bless someone with this truck, I'll, bless, I'll do it. Religion will say, only tithe 10. You do that and you're a good Christian. It robs you of so much more blessings from the Father. How about this one? Pastor Mike, has, he's in, in this age that maybe he's heard this one. Don't drink or smoke or chew or go with girls that do. Right? I mean, and that's something that we can laugh about here, but that is stuff that was said. Like we're teaching, they were teaching people this. Don't smoke or drink or chew or go, go with girls or boys that do. Because, man, if you're a good Christian boy, good Christian girl, then you'll avoid those types of things. You can probably add a few more to your list, but religion wants to keep you from getting free so it can exert its power and position over you. We're going to read Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30. We're going to get into his word. If you didn't bring your Bible or your phone, it should be up here on the screen. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that every word is true. Thank you that it's alive and active. Thank you that there's power in your words. That has the ability to change the hearts and minds of those who hear it and do it. In your name we pray. Amen. I feel like sometimes 
we can hurry along as we read. You know, you're reading Matthew chapter eight. Uh, 10 and 11 this week, and sometimes you're in a hurry because you got to get ready to go and do things, or kids are driving you absolutely nuts doing whatever they do. But when you do that, you miss out on hearing the heart of the Father. When you hear Jesus, when he, when he says this, it's a genuine calling. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There, there, there's a gentleness a sweetness, a kindness that's drawing all men to him. If you think that the list that we just went over was a lot, I don't even know how many there were, maybe 12 of them, maybe less than that. You think that was a big list of what religion has done. Well, Jesus' listeners had hundreds of commands and rules and regulations that they had to follow. Some were instituted by God. Some were instituted by man. Some were instituted by the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law. And they said, you had to do this, do that, do this, do that. The law was all about our acts and how, how to make ourselves righteous by doing all of these things. And man, if we could just follow the law, then God would be pleased with us. Hundreds. Down to little details of your life that you'd be like, what? And, oh, if you do this on, on the Sabbath, man, you just can't. You just got to leave it till the next day. But yet they would do the same thing. That, that Hundreds of laws. The point of the law, though, was to reveal our need for a Savior. The law was never meant to save anybody. The law, the hundreds of rules and regulations that God and man put forth was to show that you can't do it. To show that you need a savior. Jesus' listeners were under the crushing weight of the law and the corrupt religious leaders. Religion is a burden. Jesus is rest. Religion is based on what I can do. Jesus is based, like our walk with him is based on what Jesus did. Religion will make it all about what can you do. Religion puts the burden on me. The relationship with Jesus, our walk as a Christ follower puts the burden on him because he's already done it all. Jesus Christ came and he fulfilled the law. Every rule, every regulation, every stipulation, he fulfilled them all. He satisfied the law. Jesus says, come. It's his first word in this passage. He says, come. He's inviting them and he's inviting you and me to come. He wants you. He loves you. His desire is to be with you and he has made a way for you. The religion will keep you at an arm's length. Relationship will allow you to have the embrace of the Father. Religion, hey, don't come any closer. Like, what, what have you done? What have you touched? But relationship welcomes you into the Father's arms. Jesus says, come. He doesn't say, you have to have it all together. How many times have we heard that growing up? Um, yeah, I'll get back into church. I just gotta, I just gotta get it back together. I gotta get, get things right, and man, then I'm gonna come to church. We've heard it. Some, some of us have said it. And now some of us are up here telling you, quit saying that. Or, or we'll, we'll say, you, somebody will come in from church, like they worked up the courage to come into church. And somebody will say, oh man, I guess the roof's about to fall in. Look who's at church. 
Why? Because of what they've done, not because of what Jesus has done. You see how religion causes separation between man and Jesus. Religion says, go show yourself to the priest and he'll make sure that you're clean before you can come into the presence. You don't have to work for his approval before he will accept you. You're already accepted, you're already chosen, you're already valuable. He says, come, not do this or do that. There's nothing more that's required on your part. He made a way. He bridged the gap between us and the presence of God. By the blood, by his blood, he bridged the gap. Our only response is to come. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to have it all together. It's okay if you're a hot mess. Just come to church. Come encounter Jesus Christ. There's, no, there's nothing else. Your only response is to come. And I love what he says. He says what? Come to me. He is calling us to himself. Not the church, not the pastor, not your spouse, not good works. None of those will save you. He says, come to me. I told you, why, why are people leaving the church? Because they've been brought to church, not brought to Jesus. They, they don't, people, parents don't know what to do, so they send their kids to church. But they're not encountering Jesus when they get there. Because it's all about religion. He is the only one that can save us. He offers up himself as the only solution to all that burdens us. We think that it's Jesus Plus, like, oh, okay, to be saved, it's Jesus plus you want me to tithe. Oh, or Jesus plus you want me to serve in an area of ministry, right? It's Jesus plus this, Jesus plus Bible reading, Jesus plus, plus prayer, Jesus plus a Bible study, Jesus plus whatever. Jesus says, come to me. There's nothing else that is required of you. It's not Jesus and this. It's just Jesus. It's not Jesus and wisdom or Jesus and the, he says, come to me. He is the only solution. The only thing that we need, nothing else. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You don't have to add anything to him. He's enough. We have to quit trying to add things to Jesus because then that becomes religion. We get tired of all the things that religion places on us, but then yet we do the same thing. Jesus and, I have to look this way, or Jesus, oh, I can't come in because I'm late, right? How many people struggle with that? Like, oh, I'm just not gonna go. It's 10, I'm already late. I'll just stay home today. It's just Jesus. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. Jesus is inviting the weary and the heavy burdened. Like there's a difference in weary and heavy burdened because we're busy. But the, the weary and the heavy burden that Jesus is talking about right now is those that are under the crushing weight of religion and the law. The, the, the weary and heavy burden are, he's saying, hey, y'all come to me. Not, not the perfect, not, not the prideful, not the ones that have it all figured out. Some kiddos are talking. There we go. <laughs> he doesn't say, hey, come to me. 
you proud, you self-righteous, you strong, you religious, you popular, you elite, you perfect. But he says, come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, the humble, the broken, the tired, the poor in spirit, the outcast, the weary, the rejected, the forgotten, the looked over. Who, who is Jesus calling to himself right now? Those. Not the pride, not the proudful, not, not, not those that have it all figured out, that look right, that dress right, that act right, that have it all figured out. But he's saying, hey, you who are broken, you who are, the, are weary that you're tired of running the rat race of religion, come to me. Not only does he say come to me, but he says, for I will give you rest. Religion, this is going to sound weird at first, okay, but I'm going to say it a couple of times, and y'all can check me in it. Maybe y'all can come up with a better way to say it. Religion will tell you that you are not good enough for church, but too good for Jesus. Religion will tell you that you're not good enough for church, but you're too good for Jesus. Religion will say that you're not good enough to go to church because you're not perfect, because you don't have it all together. That, that you need to get it right before you can come here. But then religion will also tell you that you're too good for Jesus. Because, yeah, you might struggle with things, but man, really look at your neighbor over there. Look, look at, he's way worse off than you. Look at that person, look at that person, look at that person. Religion will tell you that you're not good enough for church, but you're too good for Jesus. Y'all can work on that one this week, see if there's a better, better way to say it. Religion shames you out of the church, but pats you on the back to keep you from encountering Jesus. Religion will shame you out of church, but pat you on the back to keep you from encountering Jesus. Because have you ever noticed that when we compare ourselves to others, we compare ourselves to people that are we feel like are not in as good of a shape as we are, right? Like, like when our wife comes to us and she's like, man, you got to start leading this house better. We're like, what's going on? This, this, and this. And, and whether we say it or not, we probably don't because we're, we're here. And if we would have said it out loud, we would not be here today, right? But we say it in our minds and we're like, we start justifying all the things that we do that other men don't do. And you're like, yeah, but, but I could be doing this. Or look at this person. This person does this, but not me. Like, I mean, I, I eat with my family. They're never at home with their family. Or, or I put my kids to bed. They're, they don't ever do that. But we always compare ourselves. Like, we don't ever say, oh, yeah, but this guy, yeah, he, he's a stay-at-home dad. And he does all the things. He changes all the diapers. And he, we don't compare ourselves to him. We compare ourselves to someone below us because that's what religion wants us to do. Religion shames us out of church but pats us on the back to keep us from encountering Jesus. It gives us a false sense of righteousness. We get weary and heavy burdened when we try to place, when we try to please people and we try to get from people or things that which we can only get from Jesus. Religion is weary and heavy burdened because we're trying to please people or get from people that only Jesus can get. We're trying to get things from people that only Jesus can give us. The performance treadmill is killing us. We are seeking approval and validation from people. We, we want approval and validation from people based on our religious acts. 
because we want them to see us. Social media is really kind of like taking this off on a whole nother level, but that yet we're seeking approval and validation from people that we don't even know. We're seeking approval and validation from people that aren't even looking. Probably some of the most frustrating times is when I do something funny or say something funny and my wife doesn't see it and you're like, dang, she didn't see that. <laughs> which, which happens all the time. I'm, I'm doing things funny all the time, saying them all. But, but isn't that how we, we treat it? She's not busy looking at me. She's changing diapers and giving kids baths, right? But religion will make us seek validation and approval from people that aren't even looking. Come to me, weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. This word rest means to refresh, to restore, to give new strength to, to invigorate, and to revive. That's what Jesus promises to those who come. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will refresh you, I will restore you, I will give new strength to you, I will invigorate you, and I will revive you. He offers that. Religion offers shame, guilt, and condemnation. But yet we continue to go back to religion. Why? Because we can check off a box. Read my Bible today. Done. Paid for a meal behind, for someone behind me at McDonald's. Done. Prayed today. Done. And, and we got a nice checklist, and religion says we're doing everything right. But you can do all the things right and never encounter him. The, the other way to, to where... We don't have the checklist, but we just walk as a son and a daughter. It's so much more freeing to walk as a son and daughter. But we want a checklist to make sure that we're right with God because we, we can't possibly believe that God is okay with us just right where we are. We want a checklist to prove that we're good with him because we don't believe that we're okay with him just the way that we are. Rest does not mean ease or comfort or complacency. It doesn't mean to be lazy or to be inactive, right? Like Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'll give you rest. And you just, just sit there and everything's gonna be perfect and there, there won't be any sickness or disease or death in your family. Your job, everyone's gonna love you and we're gonna actually promote you way quicker than anybody else thought of. And we're, your car will never break down. Your kids will never disobey. That's nothing, yeah, someone laughed, they're like, <laughs> right? Like, that's not the rest that he promises. The rest comes from a place of God's grace, love, and acceptance. It's not about what we can do, but it's about what's been done for us. And now we get to walk knowing that. I'm telling you, the, the greatest freedom I ever had was to hop off the religion treadmill and run into the arms of the Father. When it became not just about what I could do, because let's be honest, we, we love to do things for people. Why? So that they need us and want us and they like us and they'll invite us to Rangers games and stuff, right? Like we, we want to be wanted, if anybody's got tickets, right? <laughs> we want to be wanted because we seek approval and validation, but can you imagine to walk as a son that already has the validation and approval? My son, I have lots of them, but we're going to go with Ben today. Ben is my son, no matter what he says or does. 
Does Ben have a checklist of things he's supposed to do every day? Yes. Does he do them most days? No. <laughs> and the checklist is not 613 like the Jews had, right? It's like two. I mean, dishes and trash. But there are a lot of dishes and a lot of trash in our house, though. I'll give you that. But can you imagine if Ben had to go every day and with the fear that if he did not take out the trash and the dishes, that he's not a son of mine? He's a son of mine that's going to get grounded, but he's still my son. There, there's nothing, there's not, a, there's not a number of checklist things that he can do to make him my son. He's my son. And there, there's a confidence that comes. Like Ben never has to doubt, first of all, because we look a lot alike, or we did, right? Ben never has to doubt, am I his son? It, if I don't take out the trash, is he going to love me? If I don't do the dishes, is he going to disown me? There's a confidence that comes with knowing that you're a son. But not only a son, he says that you were slaves to sin. Then, then it says, then you were slaves to righteousness. But he says, but now you've been made sons and daughters. Not only sons and daughters, but he says, not only that, but you are co-heirs with Christ. That, that he seated you in heavenly places. So, so I, I can walk in the confidence that I'm a son no matter what I say or do. That religion will say you are a son and you are good. Everything's great with him. As long as you don't sin, you read your Bible, you pray, you give 10%, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. Over and over and over. But to walk in the confidence as a son and a daughter, that's what he's calling you to. That's a place of rest. Rest is not taking a nap. Rest is not scrolling on social media. Rest is not vacations. It's not your kids winning sports championships. It's not getting to play at Fortnite. It, rest isn't Dr. Peppers or good food or sleep or sitting on the porch watching birds like old people do, right? It's not that. Sorry, oh, my wife's like, wait a minute, I watch the birds. Sorry, well, you're old, right? <laughs> That's not rest. We want to find rest in the physical. We think, man, if I can just take a nap today, I'm going to be so much better. And you know what happens when you get up from a nap? I don't because I don't take a nap, but you get up, you're tired, and you're thinking about all the things you, you feel guilty that you didn't do. I mean, you, you know, you're like, man, if I could just take a good vacation. And I'll be darned if I don't hear everybody come back from vacation. What do they say? I need a vacation for my vacation. I'm like, but you wanted the vacation to rest. The rest that you seek and desire is not found on this earth. There's an inward and an outward rest that comes from knowing that you're a son and daughter. You, you can't do enough to be a son. You're just his son. We rest in him and, and his goodness so that when we go out and we do what he has called us to do, it doesn't become about us, but it's about his kingdom. There is a rest that we're called to, but it's not a rest to be lazy and to be inactive. He's called us to go out and do. We, we are plan A. There's no plan B. Like we're not waiting for, well, if we don't get it, man, somebody else will come along. God will create some other people and they'll come about and they'll make his name known and they'll present the gospel to the lost. Nope, it's us. But there, there's a rest in doing those things. 
You see, once that we get our identity correct, then we can labor from a place of health so that our labor isn't striving, so that our labor isn't about earning anything. We are called to go and do, to not only be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. God needs you to walk in your purpose and destiny. He needs you to walk in your gifts because he's placed people in your life that he needs you to minister to. But there is a rest that comes from knowing him and being known by him. You see that our, our uh, vision here at the gathering at Adel is for you to come here to realize that you are sons and daughters with a God-given purpose and destiny so that you can go out and love and serve the community so that we can make a way for everyone to come and know Jesus. That's the vision of the gathering at Adel for you guys to figure out who you are so that when you go and do that stuff that you can labor not from a place of unhealthiness or that you labor from a place of striving but that we can labor from acceptance, not for it. That when we go and do the things that he's called us to do, we're not doing it for his acceptance. We're doing it because we're accepted. That we will labor from a place of knowing God's love, not striving to earn it. That there, there's nothing you can do. There's no amount of money there's no amount of widows and orphans that you can help, amount of money that you can give away that can make you earn God's love. You, you are loved as much as he loves you, as much as he can possibly love you right now. And right now. And right now. You can, go, you can walk out those doors. You can go do all the unreligious things that we talked about earlier. And he will love you just as much as he loves you right now. When we are resting in who we are and who he has called us to be, we labor from a place of his love, not from a place striving for it. That we will labor for, from our identity as sons and daughters, not working for it. Religion is a burden. Jesus is rest. One more analogy, and then we're going to get out of here and give our time, ourselves time to respond to this. Religion is fake. Religion makes you think that it's good until you've had something better. Then you realize, like religion's like, man, this is good. I feel good about myself. I'm, I'm at church and I'm tithing and the Lord's blessing me and man, this is great. And you, you feel like it's good until you've had freedom. Then you're like, man, that was crazy. That's not, it's, it's like my, my friend here, Ryan Byers, he loves all sups burritos. I do too. And all sups burritos are phenomenal. But when you sit down and you have a meal that's homemade and you're around a table with a family that loves and cares for you, nobody's thinking about all sups burritos. Like, like they're good, but they're not the real thing. We, we have kids come into our house all the time, not just our own. They, they find out where we hit the key, but we have other kids in Strawn that come to our house all the time who are raised a little bit different than, than we are trying to raise ours. And, you know, our kids can look at that and go, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could have a Fanta pineapple and eat Takis. Man, that would be a great lunch. And you're like, <laughs> that was talking about Hattie. She loves them Takis. But like, you think they're so good. 
And you think that, man, they've got it figured out. But when they come around our table and they eat a meal that my wife has prepared and they eat seven platefuls, you're like, oh, man, that's the real deal. Religion, this would be the weirdest analogy, but religion is like an all-sups burrito. You think that it's really good until you've tasted real food. Religion will make you think that you're okay to keep you captive. As soon as you taste freedom, religion is afraid that you'll run off and never come back. How do we respond to this message? Really, this, this message is from, from me. I, I walked through so much hurt and pain. The, the things that you thought that you had to do, the way that you had to act, I had to think and talk and so much freedom has come from not doing those things. How do we respond? There's four statements that we talked about. One, he says, come. Jesus is inviting you today, the weary, the heavy burdened. He's inviting you to come. He says that, that he came to seek and to save the lost. He says that he came to draw all men to him. He said it's not his will for one man to perish. If you feel like you're at an arm's length away from him because of religion, his invitation today is to come. His invitation is to come to me, to come to himself. If, if you're struggling with, with Jesus and something or, or Jesus plus this, his word to you today is, it's just me. But do you remember Paul's word? Paul said, I, I, I've attained all of it. I, I was this and this and this and this. And man, I, I was who you ascribe that you, you wanted to be this person. And Paul said, I was him. And he says, and I consider that all rubbish apart from knowing Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. You can have all the things but without Jesus, it's rubbish. He says, come to me. Are you trying to add anything to Jesus? Because he's all that you need. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. Do you need to break free of the rules and the regulations and the tradition of religion? It's a divorce of religion. Is that you? Do you feel trapped by by religion, he's calling you today to come to him, to walk away from that, that he has something better for you. And he says, come to me all who are weary, heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you need rest today? Not rest from a nap, not rest from a Dr. Pepper, but do you need rest? Does your soul yearn for something more than what it has at the moment? So we're gonna pray, we're gonna close with prayer.